0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It's your Uncle Drew. I'll never say that again. I just gave myself the creeps. Yo, it's Drew Gasparini here. From now, we're talking with Drew Gasparini. That's right. Just letting you know that you can now support this show on Patreon. Go ahead, become a patron of our podcast today. Just go to patreon.com slash n-w-t- podcast. And for as little as $5 a month, you can help a month. That word that I just tried to say was month. You can help keep this podcast alive. I love doing this podcast. It's so fun, but it's a lot of work. From booking the star-studded guest list to research, writing, hosting, recording, editing, and beyond, this particular podcast is truly a one-man operation through and through. I can't hire nobody. So, for $5 a month, it really does go a long way. Not to mention the perks that you get by becoming a patron on Patreon go to patreon.com slash nwtpodcast to see how you can support us today thank you so much to our patrons Katie Elizabeth Becca Thomas Sheena and Michael we love you and happy birthday Michael it's not Michael's birthday but I thought it'd be nice anyway now what you all waited for stop honking I'm doing a podcast Jesus the mother flippin' show yo. It's People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, 2030 edition, Drew Gasparini here with another amazing episode of Now We're Talking, the podcast that never flosses. I'm crapping my shorts with excitement today because today's guest is a treasure. Known for her work on Broadway in such shows as Finian's Rainbow, Big Fish, Hello Dolly, where she starred opposite Bette Midler, today's guest is a two-time Tony-nominated actress and a Drama Desk nominee for her work in off-Broadway shows such as Giant, John and Jen, and Superhero. I was... Was lucky enough to get to work with her on development of a little upcoming Broadway show called The Karate Kid. Ladies and gents, she's an icon. Now we're talking with the lovely Kate Baldwin. You're from the Midwest, right?
1: Indeed I am.
0: Okay, can I tell you my favorite part about the Midwest? Sure. When you order a Bloody Mary, you get a sidecar of beer.
1: Yes, you do. You also get a full meal on that garnish. uh, I've seen like
0: a fucking slice of pizza in there. (laughs) Honestly, honest to God.
1: Yeah, Um, I'm from Wisconsin. So you get a little, you get a cheese curd and a pickle. Oh my God. You get all that stuff.
0: You know what's absurd about the whole thing to me Hmm. is that you also get a meal. Like typically you're not like just ordering a Bloody Mary and then sitting there with your Bloody Mary. You're ordering Bloody Mary because you're at brunch and you're gonna get, you know, table pancakes and the Absolutely. whole, the omelet and the whole thing. I don't know how people do it. Uh, that's my favorite part of the Midwest. Kate Baldwin, that Broadway icon. What is your favorite part about being from the Midwest?
1: Well, now you got me on that uh, that food train because I love of course- it. Let's talk food. I went to uh, Northwestern University in in Evanston, Illinois, which was founded, mm-hmm. that town was founded, founded by like the Women's Christian Temperance Union or something. So you okay. are not allowed to have a Bloody Mary on Sunday unless you order food too. So think about that wow. for, okay. for a minute. You have to have- uh, your plate of pancakes for the table and your yeah. Bloody Mary that also has a cheese curd on it. And also a sidecar of beer. Like it, there's a lot a side of love... insulin as well, right? Does <laughs> it
0: come with <laughs> good Lord?
1: Well, listen, in the Midwest, we have lots of space. Like I went back to Milwaukee to my hometown a couple of times over the last, in the last five years, I think I've been there three or four times mm-hmm. and They say, what do you like about it here? I said, there's so much space. Like nobody's rushing past each other. Nobody's elbowing you. Nobody's giving you a flat tire on your shoe as you're walking in front of (laughs) (laughs) them. Everybody respects your personal space. uh, People
0: respect your personal space in New York too. I remember falling all the way down the stairs on the subway and everybody just walked right by me. They uh, really, really gave me my personal space. No one helped you? What the hell happened? Not a soul. It was like my first week in New York. And I don't know. It was like, it was slippery. I think it was February of 2008. And I just fell ass backwards down the fucking subway stairs. And I looked around like, Hello. Yeah, I, I. You can see you're literally stepping over me, and oh, I learned relax. very quickly that that's how New York uh, respects your space. That's but right. In the Did Midwest, you get hurt? Of course, I got hurt. I got like bruised my knee. I got nothing. My body is mostly battle scars from just falling down in New York City,
1: <laughs> and working with collaborators, you know, both, and working both. with
0: collaborators, <laughs> throwing things at each other, mugs of coffee, sometimes full of coffee, hot, steaming, piping coffee.
1: I've had those moments. Mm, the burns, as well. the burns. You the burns do, do
0: yeah. We, we call it the burns. Exactly when that happens. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that you're from the Midwest because now you're a Jersey girl. Yes,
1: we I love yeah. Jersey.
0: That's when, I'm when you lived 11th, in New York City, where did you live?
1: I lived in a couple different places, but primarily uh, the Upper West Side. I had an apartment yes. on 107th and Riverside that I oh, loved. Oh
0: my God, I lived on 105th.
1: When? What year And was-
0: Riverside. For like, since, uh, I think between the years of 2011 to 2014.
1: Yeah, I was already in Brooklyn by that point. I was there 2003 to 2010. We moved Mm -hmm. to Brooklyn in – we moved to Park Slope in 2010 and Colin – or 2011, Colin was born then.
0: Okay. So you moved to Jersey when the baby happened.
1: Uh, To Park Slope, Brooklyn, when the baby happened. Okay. Park
0: Slope and then Jersey when – schools happened?
1: What? When, when, when he was five and we had to get to, uh, we had to figure out kindergarten and public schools and kindergarten, especially in very populous and competitive park slope, uh, gave me such anxiety. And I had to flee to the suburbs where I oh my knew where my kid would go to go to school and not have to put him on a list and fill out a form and right. miss the deadline and not turn it in and like be that right. mom who was like, but wait, what happened? Uh, I didn't get oh. it in on time. I've oh, ruined my stress. child's future. Oh, oh no. Gosh. What am I going to oh do? My Sorry, gosh. Colin. My, here's what I, I just
0: talked about parenting um, oh. with my girlfriend the other day. Not because we're thinking about having kids or anything, but I was talking about my brother and the stupidest thing that ever came out of my mouth was My brother and sister in law are completely different people now that they've had kids. Is that the most no duh sentence that's ever been uttered by a person?
1: It doesn't quite sink in because the change is so gradual, you know? Is it? yeah, how old are your brother's kids? Uh, kids now. My
0: nephews. I got two beautiful nephews. One is six years old, okay. and one is two years old. And they're both just wrecking balls of of boys. <laughs> like they're both like honest to god. I don't think they know what a door is. There's just like this the shape of them through a wall.
1: <laughs> right. And why do you need to actually sit on a chair the way it was meant to be sat upon? No, like, never you upside it, down. Back. You've got to lay down on it. You've got to feet be are on
0: it no matter what with shoes mm-hmm. on a lot of the time. I've noticed what a what a time to be alive here's how i here's how i qualify it though what i think based on the outside observer i do not have children that i know of and i thought looking at my sister-in-law and looking at my brother it looks like their life was like side by side with mine And then the two of them got swept up in a giant tumbleweed and they just (laughs) rolled around for like five years. And then the tumbleweed came back and they popped out of it. And they're like, Oh, Hey, and Drew, You're, Oh, you're writing that. That's great. Hey, great. Oh, awesome. And Chloe, you're doing, uh-huh. Neat. Like they're trying to catch up with everybody else's life at every other given moment that they see us because their entire world revolves around these two
1: children. Yes. It's like your brain gets split in two, right? Like, and Part of it is the life you always knew, but part of it will always be wondering what that tiny person is doing. Yes. And and how they're uh, managing the world without you. Or, or, you know, if they're just across the room from you, what are they going to swallow? What are they going to bash their head on? What are they going to... Oh, my God. Well, and also, what kind of neurosis am I imparting to them too, just by staring at them? You know? Oh yeah, because <laughs> they don't they they have to pick
0: up your your stresses too. They must get a sense of that. They right? feel
1: it. They feel it no matter what. They feel it. Like you know, I was sad this weekend. Stephen Sondheim died this past weekend, yes, and yes. I was sad. I spent Saturday writing down all the stories that I can remember about him, mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure that I don't forget him. And, yep. uh, my son at the end of the day, just like I, he said, I have something for you. And I said, what? And he just put his arms out and just gave me a giant hug. No. He's like, this is for you. And, oh. and he, I hadn't said anything about it. I hadn't told him what I was doing or why I was sad or, you know, I didn't know how to describe. Oh my God. What was you going have on. emotional support son. <laughs> I do have an emotional support son. I do. I do. Oh. It's a little different, Drew, because you have, you have three siblings, right? I
0: have 3 other siblings, yes. 3
1: siblings, yeah. So I only have I have an only child. And uh-huh. I was listening to Judd Apatow talk the other day and he was like, you know, when you have two kids and two parents, that's a family. You understand the dynamic. You got kids, you got parents, the whole thing. When you have an only child, it's just it becomes this other thing. It's like a kid who has to hang out and watch this middle-aged couple be weird with each other. That and is I, so true. And I said, "Colin, is that what it's like for you?" And he was like, "Every day." <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that he's painfully aware of this. Wow! 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 okay hey,
1: were <gasps> you an only child? <laughs> no, I have a younger brother.
0: You have a so younger brother.
1: I had a uh, buff You're the oldest. I'm the o- Drew. I, the, listen, I'm the, only the reason sister.
0: I, the only I reason I say that. Am. You have young you have baby sister energy.
1: I do not. I have older sister type A personality, but I hide it very well, Drew.
0: Okay. Well it's masked like crazy because I have two younger (laughs) sisters and whenever you and I hang out, I feel like that is the vibe I'm picking up is you must have brothers, but you have a younger brother. What's the age difference?
1: Just two years. Just two Two years. years. Okay. Okay. But I'll never forget, like, he was always there for me. Like, he was always a good buffer, you know, and um, a good, like, uh, person to bounce things off of. He always thought what I was doing was really cool. It was always a flattering thing to, like, have a kid there who was, like, saying, what are we doing now? And he was awesome. And then I'll never forget, I went off to college, and I didn't come home for Thanksgiving one year. Uh, And he was still at home. So he was probably 17, 18 years old, stuck at home. And I went with my college roommate to California for Thanksgiving or something. He called me from our parents' office. Like he had shut the door. He was having a phone call with me. And he was like, don't you ever leave me at home with them again. (laughs) I need you here.
0: What oh. are you doing? <laughs> See, when you're when you're raised with siblings, you have this immediate like fortress built around you for Dude. those moments. Like I I couldn't Danny and I, my brother and I are only 10 and a half months apart. We're very oh. Irish twins. Yes. yes my wow. brother likes to say that our mom really Catholiced some kids out is what he, <laughs> that's how he phrased it. Uh, but when yes. he went to college, you know, I had my two younger sisters and we're all very, very close and that's great. But like he and I were so close. We were like basically tied as one unit. And when he left, I sincerely went through an absolute existential crisis because I felt like half of me was gone. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest feeling, and I every time I called him when he was in college, I was like, "When you come back home,
1: yeah, how long are
0: you staying? Only a week. All right, but oh. you know, it was like it was like such a depression my sure. senior year of of uh, high school because I, you I didn't even realize how dependent on him I was. Do you think Colin? Now that he's an only child here, he's an only child, do you Mm -hmm. think that this is setting him up to be A-plus in any situation now going forward because you have to have this built-in independence as an only child? His imagination must be insane, by the way.
1: I think he does have a good imagination. Um, uh, I think he also is very used to being by himself and and is okay by himself, you know, because he's been alone so much. This is interesting, though. You she make it sound to- like
0: you leave him in the house for hours <laughs> and hours <laughs> on end.
1: No, I'm always the one to being like, so do you want to play a game? So do you need a snack? So do you, you remember that movie Parenthood and Diane Weist's yes. character in Parenthood? Hi, yes. Gary. What's in the bag? <laughs> there are moments. I think I went through a phase when he was like seven, and I was doing Hello, Dolly, so I was home rarely, and I wanted to make the most of the time that I was home yeah. you know, and make it mean something. And that doesn't yeah. register with a seven-year-old. He's like, what? I'm just living my life. Oh, you're here? Oh, you're not? Big deal. Yeah. I would be like, let's have hot chocolate and talk about our feelings. Hi, Gary. you know, I would do that, and he'd be like, ew, I'm going to go read a book by myself under a blanket yeah. <laughs> and try to get away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Tries so, to get you
0: out of the house. Don't you have errands to what? run, mother? Don't you don't you have some shopping to do or it something? It was a little
1: yeah, it was a little leave me alone. But as in terms of a sibling, he he would when he was younger, say, I want a younger brother. And we but Graham and I realized, my husband Graham, who's yes. an amazing father, we realized love Graham Yeah, I mean, for all the reasons. Uh and he just we, we we determined that Colin just wanted a little brother so he could boss somebody around. He just yes. thought that a little brother was somebody that you could tell what to do yeah and, and we knew and we, we knew that that uh, that was the main draw. And so we explained to him that wouldn't be the case if you actually had a younger sibling. That probably wouldn't actually happen.
0: He wanted a minion. He wanted yeah. like a little, like a a, <laughs> a, <lot. laughs> a a slave disciple.
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> but then, and then he kind of turned the corner. Because I remember, I think it was like seven, second grade or third grade. He had to write a creative writing project. And he wrote about... Uh, it, it had to h- include a problem. And yeah. the problem he decided was having siblings. And this was the way he uh, opened his project. He's like, You come down the stairs in the morning and you hear arguing and crying. They're there. You go for a snack in the kitchen. Your favorite cookies are gone. They're there. <laughs> he made it into a horror story about having people who take your stuff and wreck your life I siblings
0: that (laughs) is great see that's the imagination i'm talking about everybody i know who's an only child has an imagination that far surpasses any thought i ever have it's kind of amazing i love that that's fantastic
1: (laughs) and sometimes graham and i just turn to each other and go they're there (laughs) <laughs> his non-existent um, siblings his non-existent siblings
0: can i tell you the best my favorite uh example of siblings and then i'm gonna ask you a bunch of other random crap Love it. and by Love the it. way like i, I want to preface this you have yeah. one of the greatest broadway careers ever and oh i Thank like I, every time i see you i say it's broadway icon k baldwin <laughs> how are you K? <laughs> every single time Know, and weird. Th- and uh, the reason I'm saying this out loud right now is because like, we we'll might talk about a few of the shows you've been in, but like anybody can Google you, you go Google <laughs> Kate Baldwin and look up all the amazing things she's done. Uh, but in this podcast, I really just want to chat about like literally nothing and everything. I love and, it. Okay. So, but real quick, I want to tell you the story great, of, of when I was at Disneyland with my whole yes. family, which, you know, when you go with the whole clan, it could be a headache or it could be like the greatest time of your life. And this ended up being such a tremendous moment in our life. Um, So we all went down. And I think I was 20 at the time, or maybe 19. And my brother was 20. And then that means Casey and Chloe, my two younger sisters were about 15. And then nine, Chloe, the youngest so chloe uh you know she's raised but she got two much older brothers and she's got an attitude about her that i really appreciate and love and she kind of burps and farts whenever she wants and like that's just kind of the spirit animal she is and we're all on the 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 like the train platform for the monorail to take us back to the hotel you know it's like the disney version of waiting for the subway and we're sitting there and there's it it, it looks like a scene out of World War II with all these families huddled up waiting for the train. But we're like a bunch of families standing in a row. So Chloe, my much younger sister, farts super loud, super horrendously loud. And all of us go, Chloe! And these families are looking at us now. And Chloe looks around and sees that everyone's looking at us. And she goes to Casey and goes, Yeah, Chloe! And now all <laughs> so- <laughs> It was like the best <laughs> example of siblings throwing the other siblings under the bus. It was very, very fun. That's
1: amazing. Oh, my um, God. I love her. That's incredible. So you
0: mentioned Hello, Dolly! very briefly when you were talking about being a part of that show. This was your second Tony nomination, mm-hmm. right? Yes. yes. yes okay. I'm right. making sure yeah. I get my facts right. I okay. do. Uh, I'd like I a confirm. millimeter of research for any of these things. Oh, and I checked all... out your, your Wikipedia and everything. Oh, deep God. dive. Deep oh, dive. God. Anyway, I'm so Beth Midler. Yes. David Hyde Pierce. Yes. Yes. What was it like working with Bette? Like, what are some stories you
1: have about her and David Hyde Pierce? Amazing. Oh, I got I got them all. I got all. I know you do. Let's go, babe. I mean, this is why we do show business, right? Because yeah. we get to be around people like this, and and crazy things happen. And yes. it's our job as actors and and writers to like remember them and to yes. s- store them up and and laugh at the absurdity of life. Oh, I love that so much. Well, and
0: also you have to mm-hmm. write your memoir one day, and everyone's going to want to know. You
1: I know? mean, yeah, I they're good. Um, let's see. So Bette Midler. Let's see. Uh, my favorite Bette Midler story that I tell all the time happened in previews of Hello okay. Dolly. So I played Irene Malloy, and I got to sing a song called um, "Ribbons on My Back." Now Irene Malloy is the best part ever because you don't come on for the first 45 minutes; uh-huh. you just sit in your dressing room and get ready. Yeah, <laughs> you're literally the last—you're the last principal character to be introduced to the show.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Right when the audience is like, "Oh, so we put on your Sunday clothes?" That's the greatest song ever. I'm so revved to be. Wait a minute, there's a new person here. Well, who the fuck is this? Yeah. and why she's singing this song so anyway we're in previews we're doing things like changing little bits of staging and little bits of lighting because uh, the writers are uh not going to agree to any changes because it's right. hello dolly and it's, it's like, hello dolly it's classic. so um and only one of them was alive uh so uh so I sing my song, ribbons on my back, it's 45 minutes into the show, the curtain comes down, the stage manager comes over the God mic and says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we have to stop tonight's performance. Also, is there a doctor in the house? There was a man in the audience who had lost consciousness. And oh uh, of course, since it was New York City, about you know 12 people stood up and were doctors in the house and, <laughs> and, came, <laughs> and came on over. To help this man. And they got him up and they got him out to the lobby and emergency medical services came and checked him out and he was fine. He had fainted. He had lost consciousness. He had had some blood pressure or something or other. Yes. Happened. But they said, we would like to take you to the emergency room to do some further testing. And he said, no, I'm not missing Bette Midler and Hello Dolly. I'm not oh going. My God. Oh my God. Which is amazing. So he came back and he, and he watched the show, I think. I think that's how it ended. However, we were all backstage having no idea what was going on. And, you know, it was only like four or five minutes. But, of course, backstage that feels like an absolute eternity. Oh, sure. And we didn't know what had happened. And so I'm standing there in the wings with Beth, And she just turns to me. She goes, well, congratulations. You killed your first audience member. <laughs> your first. <laughs> that's
0: Drew, that's always my question. I'm always like, first. Doesn't that imply that
1: she's killed several? There are so many questions. There are so many. Like, how many have you killed? Is this one of many? What else? How can I avoid this in the future so that this doesn't happen to me? What what do I do? What do I, I do? I love
0: that. Isn't I great? love that. That's big. Yeah, I don't know her for shit. I mean, I don't I, I love her and I follow her on Twitter and I think she's my favorite person on Twitter. She I makes think me you'd laugh. I really
1: like her. Yeah. I you bet really, I would. you really? Well, you, you would.
0: hook up the introduction. Of course, okay. I'd love to meet her. She of can see one of my, one of my 54 <laughs> Below concerts.
1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I went and saw that show. I mean, like, what, 2017? Is that when that was on Broadway? Yeah, yeah that's you right. You were I, you were in it when I saw it. Everybody, the whole original team was there. Yeah. And uh, I, I, all I remember is two things. It may have been my first professional uh, viewing of that musical like I think I've seen like high school productions of it. I've never seen like the iconic and it ha- you guys still had a lot of the iconic like choreography and stuff like that. Can I just say something I don't know if I understand still to this day mm-hmm. the break the dance the dance break in uh, Hello Dolly where it's Mm -hmm. the waiters dancing around Mm -hmm. it is and the moves are at a glacial pace it's like a really it's not like they're doing big kick lines and like tapping or it got a standing ovation (laughs) i could the gratuitous applause in the middle of that show not just because bet midler came out you got big applause when you came out (laughs) she gets like she gets a five minute standing ovation for chomping on a chicken bone in the middle of the show (laughs) i couldn't believe how many times the audience had to stop and applaud i was like we're gonna get out of here at one in the morning. I know.
1: I know. I I had a friend, I had a friend come who doesn't uh, see a whole lot of theater. She loves theater, but she's an athlete. Yeah. Um, And she came and she's like, I haven't seen this kind of reaction at a, at a theater performance, I see this kind of reaction at like football games, right. like people standing up and cheering, yes. like this kind of, this level of, yeah, I know it, it dumbfounded all of us too. It, we were Do you think that audience
0: it. was mostly like, like an older crowd who was like so pumped Hello Dolly was back and maybe Bet Midler fans, or do you think there was a lot of like new people coming in and being like, oh, this is what Broadway has been talking about all this time?
1: I don't know. I can't speak for the audience. I know that we got a lot of people in to see the show. A lot of audience members came because they're Bette Midler fans and they yeah. didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily Broadway uh, aficionados. Yeah. Um. But, but I'm glad that they came to see the show and took a chance on, um, and seeing something that is so iconic. And I hate the words old fashioned because it, to, to me it, it's, it's, it's a it's emblematic of the form, right? That yeah. show is so structurally sound. Yes. And I think the reason why people were bursting into applause when there was, you know, something akin to a kick line or like a, you know, a, a, a walk, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is
0: what, Whatever this is. what they yeah. were doing,
1: yeah. um, <laughs> is because you've been set up to appreciate it. It's not because, not because the move is, is virtuosic, but because the structure of the show led you to such a, uh, an appreciation of that yes. joy, joy bomb. I mean, the show is a big Joy old bomb? Show. It's a big old joy bomb. Yeah, That's it's what a, it is, yeah. And it's beyond charming. Like, put on your Sunday clothes when that train comes out. It's a wooden train. It's yeah. not doing anything really fancy except just going across the stage. But people would lose their minds and start crying. But, like, um,
0: how fun for you guys on that stage to kind of yeah. just- absorb like insane amount of love given to you guys like you know that's just i think that's a great what a gig what a gig oh my god it was
1: the best time ever it was the is that is
0: that your favorite broadway experience
1: yeah absolutely i have to tell you a bernadette peter's story too because oh please yes she replaced bet and um there was one time when um she you know the hat shop scene is a farce so yeah it it required a lot of people running around and hiding in cupboards and hiding under tables and all this kind of stuff that's right and she and Victor Garber uh, had a lot of rapid fire dialogue back and forth to each other. And one day, well into their run, three or four weeks into their run, they got uh, in a loop where she said something and he said the response. And then she said the same thing that she had just oh, said God. back to him. <laughs> yeah. And he said the same response. And then they were lost. And they didn't know what to say. So she just stopped. And she said to Victor, and I'm on stage. I'm on the all the way on the other side of the stage. Yeah. And i I've done the show more than the two of them have. Yes, uh, but but I'm gonna stay there and watch. She s- turns to Victor and she says, "Do you know what I'm supposed to say right now?" <laughs> and and he goes, uh, nope, nope, no, I don't, <laughs> no." And so then she turns around to the cabinet where Gavin Creel is hiding inside. Cornelius yes. is hiding inside the cabinet. And her all of her lines up to this point have been like, no, Mr. Van de Gelder, you can't go in there. There's no one in there. No. Why would there be anybody in there? She opens up the cabinet and puts her little face in there and says to Gavin, on mic, do you know what I'm supposed to say right now? <laughs> And you hear Gavin just laughing and laughing and laughing, and then what does the audience (laughs) do when
0: this is happening?
1: Freaking out, applauding, and laughing. Of course! Oh my god! They were dying. It was so funny. I love this.
0: Oh my god! Wow! (laughs) I
1: I totally forgot about Bernadette Peters in this show too. Yeah. Then she 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 then uh, went off. She said, "Hold, please," and she went off stage (laughs) and she talked to the stage manager. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say she she came back out with the script. She talked to the stage manager, the stage manager said, this is what you say. And she said, got it. And she came back in and then everybody applauded and laughed and then she started over. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. That is so fun. See, that's, that is so fun for an audience. Oh my word. Do
1: you Um, know what I'm supposed to say right now is the best. It's the best. It's the best.
0: Can we? Uh, I just want to say a quick story about David Hyde Pierce because oh, I,
1: the, I don't
0: know him at all. But I met him once, and he was so kind for no reason. I actually auditioned for him. He was oh, he wow. was directing a show at George Street, oh. and. Oh. I went in. It was the like maybe first and only audition I went on because someone said you should go in for this. I was like, I don't know how to be an actor, but here we go. Let's go give it a shot. And I went in, and he like talked to me and like asked me about my whole background. They gave me a few points. I didn't get the job at all, but he spent like a half hour with me. When there's like actual actors waiting to come in and do this, I was like, what a gentle, nice man he is. Is he He as kind as I remember him being from that one?
1: A hundred percent. He loves people and he loves theater people. And, uh, he, you know, I would show up, we shared a floor at the, at the Schubert, uh, his dressing room and my dressing room were on the same floor. Yeah. And, um, oftentimes, uh, I would go in and say hi to him before the show. Um, and I remember I came back from a vacation once a a week away and he said, welcome home. You know, he considered the theater, his home. Yeah. And and all of us, his family. David knew everybody's name and everybody's birthday in that building. Oh, if Jesus. it was your birthday, whether you were front of house or you pulled the flies or you sewed the costumes, he would give you a bottle of champagne and a handwritten birthday card.
0: Oh, my God. From David
1: High Pierce. Yeah. He threw a giant party for everybody to come to his home in the Hamptons Ugh. and uh, go to the beach one summer. Uh, wow. And ho- hosted everyone. Um, He loves doing theater. He loves people. He is genuinely interested in finding out about everybody. So I'm not surprised at all that he spent a half an hour getting to know you. And I'm sure he remembers it all. And when he comes to see something that you do, he'll say, hi, Drew. And he'll know all about, you know, he'll, he'll He's getting
0: that. an invite to Karate Kid. There's not, a, there's not a question. Let's have him come. Of course. Oh, you know my what? God. Him and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. The other person. <laughs> I really come. They can sit right next to each other. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. What Kate is saying is if you're going to be in a Broadway show, make sure to do it with uber famous uh, people so that they can invite you to their homes in the Hamptons. And you get those types of perks as well. That's why we do theater. Let's not forget
1: well, can Colin. I tell you too, I left yes. uh, Colin, I brought Colin with me to that uh, party and we yeah. left his uh, Transformers backpack. One of the backpack- few times
0: you took him out of the house, otherwise <laughs> yeah. you just leave him in there all by himself, yes. <laughs>
1: Un- under a blanket reading a book, uh, that's uh. His happy place. Um, <laughs> and we, by mistake, left his Transformers backpack at David's house. Yes. And so I texted David, I said, I'm so sorry, I think, uh, you know, Scatterbrain Mommy left uh, the backpack there, would you please bring it? And he sent me a picture of, you know, of himself with the backpack on, you know, walking down. Yes. He would would walk every day from his home on the Upper West Side to the theater. That was like his warm up. That was his way of getting into what he needed to do um, for the show. And, you know, always very unassuming, like... You know, it just like in his regular clothes, with, and with like Colin's back. He sent me a picture of him with Colin's backpack. You know, just walking, walking to,
0: through New York.
1: Yeah, I walking, love that. Walking to work. People taking Let's pictures see.
0: of him, being like, "David I. Pierce has really <laughs> lost his mind." I think. Wow. Um Okay, I want to jump to something real quick because okay. you've you've worked with uh, the late great and everybody's superhero, Mr. Steven Sondheim. Mm-hmm. You've sung. For him. This is correct. You just mm-hmm. posted a picture where you're in like the bluest gown of all time. Oh, I call it that like the a...
1: Statue of Liberty. It's it my had Statue of Liberty. The biggest glam. Shoulder. Yeah. It yeah. had
0: just one shoulder.
1: Yeah. That was for that was for distraction, Drew, because I was like four months pregnant at the time. Okay. And I okay. was still not telling people. So I was like, I know I'll get a big shoulder and no one will yes. look at my belly. I'll
0: draw the eye up to my shoulder, <laughs> which looks like a weird Tim Burton character on the side of my body here. Yeah. Um Totally. So, okay, so you worked with him. Andrew Lippa, who wrote Big Fish, is an, um, another amazing composer. I think he's really, really tremendous. And the list really, truly goes on. David Yazbek and all these amazing people that you've Tom had. Tom Kitt. Oh, my God. I just texted you the other day saying, holy shit, superhero, you sound beautiful. Amazing on it. Um, my question to you, knowing that you've worked with all these amazing, oh, Drew Gasparini, obviously, the, the Karate <laughs> oh, yeah. Kid workshop yeah, with on. us, had a great time. Um, what makes a great song? And I might take notes as you tell me. But as someone who interprets some of the best songs ever written, it it is an interesting question to ask because a writer is going to have a different point of view. But I love hearing it from a performer because that's who I care about. When I show a new song to a writer, the note they give me, I always hear as, well, here's how I would have written the song. But when I hear it from uh, an actor, I hear what's needed because they mm. also need a few things in the song for it to, for them to really bite into it or find the emotionality or this, that, and the mm. other, unless it's perfectly written and they're given everything they need. But to you, Kate Baldwin, Broadway icon, what makes a great song?
1: That's a lot, Drew. Um, I'm, I'm gonna so try sorry. my best. I'm gonna try my yeah, best. I think context is everything. And so when we talk about songs for the music theater, we're talking Mm -hmm. about a character in a specific situation. And I think in thinking about Steve Sondheim and his work over the past couple of days, as we all have been thinking about him, what makes his work so fun for actors to do is the specificity with which he writes. The specificity of time and place, and of point of view of the character, I don't, and that's what makes his work kind of difficult uh, to pull out of the show and do, say in a in a concert in a standalone fifty four below show.
0: Um,
1: When I'm looking for material to do there, I have to understand that what plays well to an audience that knows musical theater really well is one thing, but if I take that song that I love and I consider a good song to a, an audience that maybe isn't as familiar with musical theater, they're not going to appreciate it, uh, it in the same way. It might be a little less accessible to them. Right, because um, it's going to stand alone, or I might have to do a lot of work to set it up and to yes, provide yes, the yes. context of the show. I think Drew, what you did so brilliantly in your show that I just saw at Fifty Four Below was you gave context for the very personal songs that you created about your dad, your mom, the tree, yeah. all the things. And I remember vividly the st- the ways you set up those stories so that it launched us into the song with a visual picture in our head because as much as I want to think that we are auditorially astute people we are visual animals first yes. so i think about the image that you put in your head when you're writing a song or when i'm singing a song i need to have that that image in my head of what what is the picture that i'm describing yeah. as i'm as i'm singing here and and who am i singing to is often the most important part as well. I think that can change a song and that can change a song hundred percent when you dis- when you decide if the person you're singing to is your mother or you know a person you want to sleep with. Like it's just the completely different opposite. Why did I totally. pick those two things? I don't know. But
0: I don't know either. They're too. <laughs> there was too close to have no, those two guys I was trying, too,
1: to, <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to give like the two op- <laughs> the, the farthest opposite spectrum. I think I did it. And I you did. did you did. Yeah, but okay.
0: you just you, they you, they were said too close together, and, I'm and, so and, sorry. and they threw our heads for a loop. Now
1: everybody feels awkward.
0: Uh, I really do. I, I love what you just said about, I think it's just making sure the audience is where you're at too. So they, yeah. can, they can see everything you're seeing without them actually seeing it. You know what I mean? Pa- the, the song paints the picture for the uh, performer, the performers painting the picture for the audience, That's right. you know, I don't know, it goes layers that way. But I think right, you're right. Context is a big, big thing.
1: And I think you do yourself a disservice when you say that you're not an actor because I do think you're an actor. I think wow. you have to be an actor writing the song because you're- Is that you're, coming
0: from Broadway icon <laughs> Kate Baldwin?
1: Jeez. Well, it's just the truth. I think I think every writer I've ever worked with has to put themselves in the shoes of the character. So you have to get behind the point of view of the character. And that's what makes your job exciting and fun to explore um, I remember you saying early on in, in Karate Kid, like, I'm not a mom, I don't have children. Tell me what this is about. And that's exactly what Stephen Sondheim did to his friend, Mary Rogers. I'm not married, I don't understand what marriage is. You tell me right. your stories about marriage and I'll write them down. So right. you're, do- you're just, you're doing the work. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. As well. Oh,
0: it's so exhausting to tap into other people's emotions. Let me <laughs> tell you. Okay, can I tell you what I read in your Wikipedia page? Oh Lord. This is how yes. Wikipedia says you and Graham met. By the oh! way, I'm I'm I I can't. I've worked with two thirds of your household. I've worked with
1: you. I've worked with Graham. It's really fun. If you um, ever want to, if you ever want <clears throat> to musicalize the horror story about uh, siblings, let me know. I do. I that's that. Nice. Get you that's, in touch with Colin. That's
0: they're they're there. What is it called? What it's, does he say? They're there. That's exactly they're right. They're there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, that is that is such a great title too. They're there. Yes. Um, it says you guys met. Because you had lots of downtime during Act Two of seventeen seventy six. That's right. What? 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 What do you do in the downtime? And like, it led to a marriage and a child. (laughs) How fun! Were you guys making out backstage?
1: Drew, why
0: can't I ask that question?
1: You don't even have to say that, do you? (laughs) No, we were were never. Were you all necking? well that's such like my mother's like term from the 60s where you necking i was definitely just wearing my bloomers and my corset and maybe a t-shirt because as martha jefferson i didn't want to hang out in my you know big old fancy plantation dress uh-huh, backstage yeah. if i didn't have to uh but he and he was definitely wearing his like brian boitano-esque shirt as a as a signer of the declaration of independence richard henry lee which is the role he played who you know sings the third song in the entire show and then is gone for the rest of it right and and i'm martha jefferson who sings maybe like the sixth song in the show and then is gone for the rest of it
0: um perfect what another great gig
1: (laughs) yeah right great gig (laughs) so we would just hang out what would we do we would watch american idol this was circa 2003 okay yeah so we'd watch American Idol, we would play uh video games, we would maybe watch a little <laughs> bit of 24 starring Keith, Keith for Sutherland. Yeah, Keith for Sutherland, hell yeah. And maybe we would sample bourbon. I don't know. There's this man named Johnny Walker, and he makes love really it. good stuff. I so-
0: love this. <laughs> I do. I this if you guys wrote a book about your romance, <laughs> would it be called Lots of Downtime?
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> And every day since then has had zero downtime. So I'm I'm grateful that we had the downtime when we did.
0: Yeah, can you guys hit the ground running?
1: Well, and that opportunity to just like hang out it was uh, was really great because we got to know each other really well, and we made yeah. each other laugh, and we were um, kind of silly together. And Drew, this is even nerdier. We would go home from the show at night. Like go home to our respective apartments or whatever, and then do you remember um, IMing, instant messaging on of AOL? Of course I do. Yes, we, we would do that too until like this two or three so in the morning. Wholesome. Oh it my was... god, this is so pure and also... and it was and it was literally like, what What are you watching on TV right now? What channel is that on? Okay, oh I'll watch god. that. What are you eating? Okay, I'm gonna make some of that too. Like I love it, this. It was so silly. That I, is I
0: adorable. Fell in oh love my with god. them like that,
1: and we didn't do any kissing until we were out of the theater.
0: Good. Okay, well, that's so very professional we We're of
1: you. not making out, because then we thought, oh, this is so cliche, like to make yeah. out of this is, that would be. A
0: showman's. they call it, a showman's,
1: And we certainly didn't want it to be a showman's. We were very, we were very concerned that it could just be that. And um, Graham, I give Graham a lot of credit, because I was the one who pointed at him and said, you mean, let's go. And he was like, hang on. Are you slow down? Yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: boy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Here you are 18 years or whatever later that that's amazing. I love to hear it. And I just think you guys are like both of the sweetest people that I've met in this industry. So it's really, really great that it all worked out. Uh, I want to end the uh, interview here with something I do on every episode and it's literally called stupid questions with drew. Do you think I should have, um, Theme music for this portion. I Absolutely. Should have theme music, right? You should. I do haven't it. done it. There's been like 50 episodes and I have yet to do it, but maybe for this I'll well, have to do it. Well, just
1: imagine music. that you're a songwriter who's hosting a podcast and put okay. yourself in that point of view. And I'll then try, it will try come to get to there. You. That is, that's a stretch. <laughs> uh,
0: Kate Baldwin, here are some stupid questions. I cannot wait okay. <laughs> to hear these answers. If you were arrested for something and your face was suddenly all over the news, what would your family and friends assume you did?
1: Inadvertently poisoning someone with um you know bad food or something? Oh, I, like... I
0: love that. An inadvertent poisoning, poisoning with bad food.
1: With bad food because I like to cook for people.
0: But sometimes yeah.
1: I, I get a little bit – you do this too. You love to cook for people too.
0: Love to cook for people.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I get a little too ambitious and I've wrecked some food. Fortunately, I always overdo it instead of underdo it. I don't think anybody's gotten food poisoning from what I've made. Or if yeah. they have, they haven't yeah. told me. Okay. But like, well, if ha-
0: they might not be able to tell you because they're dead now.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> I also never ask if anybody has any food allergies or, <laughs> yeah. or if they're a vegetarian or if they don't eat dairy. I just put Listen, all that the shit one in there. It's yeah. not about them, baby. Well, it's about you. You're doing the work. I love sugar. I love dairy. I'm gonna put it all. Why wouldn't you love those things? Yeah, why wouldn't I give I just, those to you? You that's just have a, sign a pan and
0: you just scrape all that shit off the counter right into a pan. You put it in the oven. It I'm sorry if what I made loaf
1: and I and it, I would inadvertently kill somebody because of what I made for them. Yep, that's that what, is that, a tremendous answer it. for this. Thank
0: Inadvertent you. poisoning. So yep. great. Okay, that's true. This is yep. this is a horrible question, and I'm so sorry because you are so wholesome and pure. And I'm sorry I'm gonna ask. <laughs> oh, this
1: Oh God. <clears throat>
0: You have to give up one thing for a year, and mm-hmm. it has to be one of these two things. Oh, Lord. Brushing your teeth or wiping your butt.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. I You can't not wipe your butt. Now, wait a minute. Can I shower every day?
0: Uh, yeah. Be, you know, <laughs> like, if you really want to... <laughs> yeah, because could, you could bidet it. You I, could bidet in a shower.
1: I thought that's what I would do.
0: Yeah, you just bend at the right angle, you spread yeah. cheek, and then uh, you let the shower... I,
1: yeah, You take yep, it, right? Yep. Yep.
0: I do the same thing. Okay, yep, good answer. That's,
1: that's what it would be. Because um, I gotta I gotta keep flossing.
0: Broadway, um, well, that's right. That's right. I'm old. yeah. Well the showers essentially that could be a water pick, you know, like a you know, one oh, of those. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's, keep your assholes clean, kids. Uh Kate Baldwin, Broadway I two time Tony nominee, Kate Baldwin. Next question for you. Would you rather feel itchy all the time or sticky all the time?
1: Um, itchy. I, I live with being itchy all the time. I have the driest skin. Have you seen oh, my hands? Next time we're together, hands. I'll show you my witchy, witchy hands.
0: You have witchy hands?
1: Yeah. My friend Jessica Snow Wilson, we were working together about, you know, 15 years ago. And she's like, Kate, what's wrong with your hands? And I was like, I don't know. They've always been like this. Wow. She's like, were you doing dishes last night? I was like, no, no, this is just how my hands are. They are incredibly dry. I'm dry. I'm- lotion? Uh, All the time, yeah. My body just sucks it in. I've never found a lotion that satisfies my witchy hands.
0: We need to find you a sleeping apparatus that goes all the way up to the neck that you fill with lotion. So overnight you're steeped in it
1: yes and also
0: i want one too because that just sounds really kind of fun
1: and then uh, it'll work so well with my night sweats too that'll be oh
0: god you are a joy
1: (laughs) (laughs) that'll be a good combo right (laughs) my night sweats
0: okay uh last couple insane questions with kate baldwin here before i let her go uh kate baldwin what? You live in Jersey, you lived in New York, you're from the Midwest, there's Good Eats in all those locations. Yes. I'm going to ask you about something in specific. Can you walk us through the best breakfast sandwich?
1: Oh, the best breakfast sandwich?
0: Yeah, layer it for us. Would okay. it be a bagel? Would it be no. a... Uh, okay. okay. It would be a us?
1: brioche. It would be a brioche bun. God, yes. Some kind love. of like crusty, Frenchy something or other.
0: Okay. There would
1: have to be some kind of like oozy fried egg on there that mm. that can like ooze out there would yeah the be... yolky
0: the yolky yeah yeah
1: there would have to Pop, be i'm yeah. sorry i'm gonna say bacon not sausage i'm gonna okay. say okay please don't like be sorry some kind of um some kind of mapley smoky uh bacon with some I'm uh kick to so it i'm getting so hungry <laughs> listening to this <laughs> with some peppery something on there too. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. What else? You feel what like else? you're talking you feel like you're talking dirty to me right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What else would you put on this on this brioche bun? I oh. would
1: smash an avocado <laughs> and I would mix it with some tart lemon juice. Oh my god. <laughs> and some flaky salt.
0: Wait, this is bomb. This is a kick ass. I hope everyone's writing this down. This is exactly yeah. how you should build a breakfast sandwich.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I Smash think we've some got some avocado. We've got we've got creamy avocado, we've got tangy, uh we've got some lemon juice in there for acid. We've uh-huh. got the fatty, spicy, uh, mapley, sweet Oh my um, god bacon, and then yeah. you've got the umami from the egg, and then you've oh got the God. crusty brioche. I think that's it. I think that's all we All need. the
0: elements. You just and well, and captured then
1: it all. A Bloody Mary on the side, Drew. Yeah. We'll Actually, beer. that
0: that's not even the sandwich. That's just a garnish <laughs> for the Bloody Mary. <laughs> You're,
1: You're absolutely good. right. You're absolutely right. I had a cassette tape called um uh The Sondheim Songbook, Volume 1. I never yeah. got Volume 2. I only had Volume 1. Yeah, But but it had a. It was an anthology, and it had uh, Gypsy and West Side Story, and Do I Hear a Waltz, and Anyone Can Whistle, and Follies, and um, it, all the way up to Night Music. I think that was yeah. the last one, and then Volume Two would have been Sweeney Todd on. But uh, but that to me was incredible, and and that cassette tape I just played over and over and over again, um, and I know every record, every breath, every phrasing choice, every everything on that yeah. on that cassette tape, and I'm so grateful that I had that. Um, as a kid because it forced me to listen to all those shows because that was the right. next song that came up, right?
0: Right, right
1: you, you couldn't you couldn't Spotify that you couldn't you couldn't you know pick Oh, I only want to listen to Maria and not, you know, anyone can whistle you had right. to, listen to, to all of it I, I wouldn't fast forward through it. I would just put it on and and let it go
0: I just I was just telling my girlfriend this story that I, I was given a gift by uh, a parent of a student I used to teach And it was a CD of Stephen Sondheim sitting at his like like in in his house, sitting at his piano, showing like five people the first little moments of Sweeney Todd. Mm. Literally just him and his piano. And he's not a good singer, but you're hearing him kind of flesh out this idea. It was so amazing. You'll never find it on Spotify, kids. It is just something that exists in hard form somewhere else in the world. And I think that that is kind of cool. Yeah, um yeah. speaking of kind of cool, you are beyond kind of cool. You are so righteous. Kate, I love <gasps> you. you. I Drew. love your husband, Graham. Thanks so much for doing this. And I know there's a lot of theater kids out there who just absolutely adore you and Aww. love you. And can't I got to you. witness it firsthand with the youngsters and karate kid, you're so fun to be in a room with. And mm-hmm. uh just I can't thank you enough for coming by and doing the podcast. You're the best, Kate.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I can't wait till we have more talks behind the music table at Karate Kid, because those are my faves. Big just time. There's going to be you. a lot more. Yay! All right. I'll talk to you
0: soon, Kate. Bye. Sounds good. Bye! Thanks so much for listening, everybody. That's our show. Did you hear me lose my fucking mind while she described how she would make a breakfast sandwich? I'm going to be thinking about that all day. Hmm. Now we're talking as a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and this podcast at bpn.fm slash talking. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter, nwt underscore pod. Special thanks to our guest, Miss Kate Baldwin. Ain't she the best? Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. And if you feel like supporting, please be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash nwt podcast. Keep tuning in for more amazing guests every week. I love you. What can I say? Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives.